was a fun bumper video. <laughs> Joe actually used like the um, the sound effects from our TV to make that, so that was fun. It's like actually our Roku in the video. I feel famous because it's at our house. Um, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Alyssa, and I'm one of the pastors here. I have been gone for six months to the day. Um, now. And um, so there's a good chance we haven't met, but I'd love to meet you if we haven't. Um, so my, I was doing yoga this morning because I started doing that recently. And uh, my intention that I set this morning was to be open. And I had no idea what that, what that meant when I set that intention while I was doing it. And then like every song that I listened to and multiple, th I think even Finn or Joe said the word open at some point this morning, and I was just like, okay, I think this is today. So today, um, I encourage you, um, as we sit here in this space, to just be open to what God is doing in your heart and in your life in this new year, and um, yeah, just to be open to hearing from God. I have so many thoughts and so many things that I want to say this morning to all of you. Um, it has been um, a, a crazy season. So it's fascinating and also heart-wrenching when you look back over a season of life, and now it's, you know, it's the new year, and so everyone is doing that right now, right? Like, we're looking back at 2019 and how insane of a year it was. Um, but when you look back over a season of life, you see the good and the hard, the ideas that never happened, and the ideas that sparked something completely different than you even imagined, um, the bad decisions, the lucky moves, the things that fell through, and the impossible that you never thought was going to happen. You see the people that move in and out, sometimes more fluid, sometimes like a wrecking ball, Yes, now we're all thinking of Miley Cyrus, right? Did anyone else think of that when I said that? Because that's why I was like, I felt like that was the right word. And then I was like, Miley Cyrus. Um, so I haven't yet slowed down enough um, to fully reflect on this past season of my life. And I might not because I'm not usually that kind of person. But this last six months um, was life-changing for me. I think the greatest gift of reflecting on a past season of life is seeing where God was so active and close and also the moments where it felt like God was absent. Remembering the moments crying out to the void and the moments rejoicing publicly and privately that God pulled through, that God provided, God made the impossible happen. So for the last six months, I was uh, the, the pastor at West Park United Methodist Church. It is um, the church that houses our free store in Franklinton. And from the beginning, even before the beginning um, of me becoming the pastor there, this was a complicated relationship. Uh, Central City has been using the West Park Church building um, for Little Bottoms for just over a year now. We started about um, last October. But, and even before that, um, Central City was doing work with Celebrate One, a city partner. And so we had offices there at West Park to work in the neighborhood. And so I've been working in this building for a couple of years now. Um, but I had never actually met anyone from the church uh, until, uh, except for like the previous pastor. And I until last June. 
um, when I was introduced as their new pastor. So I'd been working in this church for a couple years, had never met anyone from the church until I was introduced to be their pastor. So it's a very already complicated relationship. Now, taking this appointment was a strategic move for, um, for me and one that Joe and I saw a lot of your opinions on last spring because we knew that with this new position, I, um, it would take me away from Central City both on Sunday mornings, but also I would transition all of my responsibilities to Joe and Renee except Little Bottoms. So June 29th, it was Kevin and Joanna's wedding day. They're not here, though. I was hoping they would be here because I could point them out. They've been married for six months now. Um, I... Uh, on June 29th, I became committed to full-time ministry in Franklinton, so not just uh, the free store there, but then also uh, being a pastor in that neighborhood. This was a dream and a prayer come true. Um, we, I have been praying and seeking God for three full years now about having a church in Franklinton. Um, there's so much more to the journey up to that point and the journey, journey from June to now. And if you're interested in hearing more, I'd love to get coffee and share. I saw a meme recently, and I couldn't find it because I was going to put it on the screen, but it was like um, getting coffee with friends is like involves my top three things, coffee, other people, and talking about myself or something like that. I was like, that's, that's me. So if you are, want to hear more about all this or any of this or just get coffee because you like coffee too, I'd love to. Um, anyway, so I've been gone for exactly six months, and um, I'd like to give a little update as to what I've been up to, what we've all been up to at Little Bottoms, and then also to what God has been up to in my life at least. Now, I realized um, as I was writing this and thinking about this that this isn't actually a sermon, so I'm sorry if you came and you're like, I need like good information, scripture, like the thing God is going to say for my life for this year. That's not necessarily what I have because this is more of a testimony of what God has been doing in my life um, over the last six months and where I've been. And I know that each and every one of us could get up here and share our own testimony of what God has been doing in our lives through the good and the hard and the bad and the crazy over the last season of our lives. So thank you for listening to me babble on about what God has been doing in my life. So anyway, so I've been um, pastoring a very small, much older congregation since the end of June. Um, and once I got there, and even before, I had been going back and forth with God and others about what my purpose was there. Was I supposed to close this church, like, immediately or slowly? Um, was I supposed to grow it from the inside and just kind of invite people and start doing new things? Um, after months of meeting with the members, preaching, leading conversations with all the regular attenders and our district, I still wasn't sure. But what I did realize was that God was asking me not to force anything, not to force closing, not to force staying open. Um, so I just slowed down, stepped back, and trusted that God was still working, which was the hardest thing that I've ever done because I like to force things. Um, about a month later, the board then decided that they wanted to close. Uh, so again, slowing myself down, not trying to force anything. I tried to space out this conversation, give a lot of room for, for discussion about what closing meant and what that looked like. And um, by the next board meeting, they decided they wanted to close at the end of 2019. So even sooner than I had been thinking, because again, I'm trying to slow down and let God work. And they said at the end of 2019. So I was honestly shocked, um, but it, 
in that moment, that week, my confidence in God increased. So on December 29th, last Sunday, West Park United Methodist Church voted to close and held their final worship service. Uh, it was emotional and exhausting, um, but also a sweet time of memories and hope for the future for the people there and for me. So that's a little bit about the church. Obviously, lots more. Again, coffee sometime. Uh, Little Bottoms has been thriving from day one. Um, weekly, we have on average around 35 families with over 50 kids, three and under, represented in those uh, 35 families. And that's an average. Like in December, there were two weeks that we had over 40 families a week, so that was fun. Um, we give out five outfits and three accessories to every child under three, and then um, a pack of 10 diapers per child and a pack of wipes per family. So we give out a ton of stuff. Um, we've received thousands and thousands of dollars of in-kind donations, clothing, toys, diapers, wipes, and more, um, and thousands and thousands of dollars of, um, of volunteer hours that people have put in. The community, ugh, the community forming there is unlike anything I've seen in a ministry of this sort. Members, uh, people who come to Little Bombs, we call them members. Like, this is, this is our space together. Um, members donate, volunteer, hang out, meet others, bring friends either to shop or just to hang out in the space. And everything I've heard from members is that they genuinely just enjoy being in the space, that this is one of this is the one place they know that there is joy. And that's what people have said to me over and over again. Like, this is the one place in their week, in their lives, everything else going on, that they know that they can come here and there's joy in this space. Many of you have spent time at Little Bottoms, donated, um, provided suggestions or feedback, contributed through prayer or encouragement. And I honestly believe that we are seeing transformation happen in every life that walks through those doors, whether to volunteer, donate, shop, all of it, transformation is happening. Sometimes, this is a bit of a confession, but sometimes I honestly question and doubt that God is real. There's so much about this world and life that doesn't make sense to me. And every day I have to choose to believe because so much doesn't make sense. Sometimes I can go days without really considering God. I know that's a brave thing for a pastor to say from the pulpit. But it's true because I'm like such a worker, like I try and force things and things have to happen and I have all this stuff to do. And sometimes I just forget to sit with the boss, you know, like I don't have to go see the boss every day because I know my job, but I need to sit with the boss. Um, but when I stop and think about every single thing that has happened in the last six months, the good and the bad, the hard, the ugly, my mental state, my physical state, my relationships, um, it's getting harder and harder for me to deny God. It probably doesn't hurt that over the last six months I've added a number of things to my life because I knew that I needed a stronger connection with God. I hadn't completely lost connection, but it wasn't very strong. So... Here's a couple of things I did in the last six months. Um, I started seeing a spiritual director. I actually started seeing her, um, I think, in June. And um, so I sit with her once a month, and every, you know, I'm just, like, venting and crying, and it's really ugly. And every time, she just, like, breathes, and she says, so where do you think God is in all of that? And I'm like, that is not what I wanted to hear right now. I really wanted you to say, you're doing all right. Here's your next step. But no, she says where do you think God is in the midst of everything? And she challenges me to just sit, nothing else, just sit with God. I've also um, 
uh, switch counselors. So I've been in counseling off and on for several years, and even um, I was seeing a, a counselor consistent for a year up through this past July, and I recently switched to a new counselor in October. Shout out to Amanda. Some of you know her. Hey, you're like sitting next to each other. That's fine. Um, she's really great, and uh, she stretched me in my relationship with God so much, just reiterating how much God actually loves me, uh, no matter my accomplishments or failures, that when I wake up today and I don't do anything else the rest of the day, God loves me. Not going to cry. Um, yoga. Told you I started doing yoga recently. Um, so the Healthy Living Center, it's a place in Franklinton they, at Mount Carmel. Um, they have like free classes, so it's really perfect. And it's while Finn is in childcare. So I get to go and it's free. It's my neighborhood and I don't have to find a babysitter. And so I started doing this yoga class and it was every Friday for six weeks. So it was the end of July and into August. And August was the second hardest month of my entire life. I had something every single day, every single weekend, every night. It was hard. Um, but then I didn't do it because they, like, didn't have anything offered for a couple months. So I didn't do it again until um, the end of November through December. They started the class back up. And so I did every Friday end of November through December. And December was the number one hardest month of my life thus far. Um, and I can honestly say that I don't think I would have made it um, without the practice of yoga, the mindfulness, the intentions, the acceptance. So mark your connect cards now. It was a plug for yoga. If you want to go, Megan's going to teach it. We're going to do yoga at some point, right? Is that still on, right? Okay. Because <laughs> I'm so excited. I bought a yoga mat this week. So mark your connect cards now. Oh, you already turned them in. Tell someone. Okay, so spiritual direction, counseling, yoga. I also um, uh, re-implemented uh, doing Common Prayer. So I've, I've done Common Prayer for Ordinary Radicals. It's a book. It's um, daily liturgy and prayer. Um, I've done it off, off and on for the past 10 years, but since July, I have um, intentionally done it more days than not. It hasn't been perfect, but I've done it more days than not. Um, it's a liturgy of prayer and scripture. Some days I was like really into it. Other days I'm not even sure I read the words. Um, I was just I was just doing it because it was my habit, and I knew that I needed to do it more days than not. Um, but other days I did it because I was so hungry to be with God. So those four things over the past six months have shaped me in so many significant ways. Um, some of you are older than me, and most of you aren't, so I feel okay saying this. But this fall was the hardest season of my entire life. I'm still young, I know, but it was really hard. And um, I've had some, uh, I wrote something that I shouldn't say, but I've had some really hard moments in my life, um, and none really harder than the last um, six months. So speaking of the mental health fund, um, oh, I don't want to say this. Never mind. <laughs> um, yeah. Over the last several months, I would experience so much joy at Little Bottoms on Thursday nights, like my happy place now. And um, But then there would be like the next day. So Thursday night, be great. And then Friday... I wouldn't be able to get off the couch or stop weeping all day. Remember, that was the day that I called Amanda, um, my counselor. And um, Joe and I have had the worst fights that I think we've ever had in our marriage. And um, he also surprised me with the best 
birthday present ever, getting to have a night with lots of people that I love. Um, so a lot of good and a lot of bad and hard. Oh, and Finn is completely potty trained during the day. <laughs> So that is probably the highlight of the last six months is that Finn now goes to the bathroom all by himself all during the day. Um, so I, I realized, um, I also realized this, this in the last couple of weeks of like self-reflection that I'm, I'm a pretty selfish, selfish person. So I appreciate you all just like sitting here and listening to everything all about me because I know and, um, and part of this is like also what has been hard is that there have been so many difficult things that have happened in so many people's lives around me that I'm just so sad for as well. And, um, but there have been good things too. Um, and so I realize all of that. And um, so I'm giving you a, an open and kind of transparent look. Open. See, I even wrote it in my notes before I knew that was my intention for today. Um, this transparent look into the last six months, not to brag or vent or anything, but for a couple of reasons. One, I'm an oversharer and I'm selfish. So um, there you go. But um, also, I've been gone for a long time, and I know, and I've already gotten this question. Like, everyone's like, how's it going? What's going on? How's the church? Like, all this stuff. So I just thought I'd share with all of you all at once. Again, if you didn't get deep enough, coffee. Um, but also this month, we're starting this series about lost connection. I've lost connection with many of you over the last few months because I've been gone. And the thing I've realized about true connection and continued connection is that proximity matters. Proximity matters. We're coming out of this Christmas season, and um, it's a season where we celebrate God with us. That's what, you know, Emmanuel, like God with us, God coming down, the incarnation. Before Jesus came to earth, God in human form on this earth, humanity had mostly lost connection with God. It was fickle at best. We spent a few days at my in-laws. This is just a short story about, like, lost connection. Oh, my gosh, it was so miserable. We spent a few days at my in-laws, which is so great. I love my in-laws and, like, all of Joe's family so much. But they live in Hicksville, real name, Hicksville, Ohio. It's about 20 minutes from Fort Wayne, but it is the middle of nowhere. Like, cute little town, middle of nowhere. The Internet sucks there, like, more than anything. I don't know if it's, like, getting worse over their time being there. It is so bad. Like his mom, who, I mean, she's on the internet a lot, but she's a lot older and she is like frustrated with the internet and is like, we got to do something about this. So of course, the only thing that any of us want to do is spend time watching, like streaming something, getting on our phones, anything, everything with the internet. And that error screen that like popped up on the bumper video, like that, I got very familiar with that screen every single time we tried to watch something. Anyways, lost connection is so frustrating. After God, after creation, God tried numerous ways to keep connection, to keep the connection strong with humans. He had a personal relationship with Abraham. He created the Ark of the Covenant and the Ten Commandments in the desert. There were judges and prophets, kings and more prophets. But finally, God said, enough. The best way to improve or to enhance connection is proximity. You know when your phone loses, loses signal or your laptop isn't like connecting to the Internet, what do you do? 
you like move closer to the router or you like hold your phone up. Does that actually work? Does anybody know that actually works? Because that's my like my number one like, oh, I don't need a signal. Like, hey, is it up here? Um, but you move closer to the connection, to the point of connection. So God, it, what we just celebrated Christmas, God does just that. God came directly to us. John 1 puts it this way. You do get some scripture. John 1 puts it this way. Um, Verse 9, it says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Our connection was so bad that we couldn't even recognize God when he got here. Verse 11, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will. I'm not sure why it's the husband's will, but born of God. Jesus gave us the ability. I'm speaking now. Sorry, not scripture. Jesus gave us the ability to have the most intimate relationship with God, the God who created us in the whole universe. We can now be God's children. So that connection that was so broken, that was so far away, God has like completely devoured the space in between and has come so close that now we can be God's children. Verse 14, the, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We now have full access, no more error messages. God is right here. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. God with us. We long for connection because we were created to know and be known. And now the one who has always known us, has always been connected to us, has come down so that we might know him. I've been listening to a podcast called The Happiness Lab. So I've also started listening to podcasts. That's what I've been doing. Um, Dr. Lori Santos is a professor at Yale. So she started this podcast because she did a class. Um, I, don't, I don't remember what it's called. But anyways, she did this class because she realized that so many students, and not just students, but so many people, especially in America, are just riddled with depression and anxiety. And so she um, started researching happiness and why what are the, the barriers to our happiness? Um, so her thesis for the podcast is that our minds are constantly telling us what to do to be happy. But what if our minds are wrong, lying to us? What if our minds are leading us away from what actually makes us happy? Dr. Santos believes that understanding the science of the mind can help. And so she goes through different episodes of talking about the ways and the things that our mind is telling us to be happy and how those aren't actually proven to make us happy. So episode four is titled Mistakenly Seeking Solitude. In this episode, she explores the way technology has been encouraging us to bank, shop, dine without talking to other humans and how this is taking a toll on our happiness. So she interviews a researcher 
Nicholas Epley, professor of behavioral science at the University of Chicago, and he studied how people interact on commuter trains. So he went to people that ride the, the metro in, in Chicago, and his research is fascinating. Most of us would assume that everyone prefers to be quiet, sit alone, not talk to anyone, especially strangers, um, while they're commuting to or from work or whatever, wherever. We know that, like, I, I don't ride a commuter train because we don't have those in Columbus. But, like, flying, you know, like, you, it's stereotypical. You literally get in your seat and you put your headphones in right away because you don't know if the person next to you is going to be a talker or not. And you don't want to talk to someone the entire flight unless you're that person. And <laughs> so you put your headphones in. Whether or not you're listening to anything doesn't matter. They get the clue that you don't want to talk. So anyone else do that? Put your headphones in right away. Or like look at your phone while you're walking so that you don't have to make eye contact with someone. Anyways, so in this study on the metro, the research suggests that the exact opposite is true. Our mind tells us that we will be happier if we don't talk to anybody, but the research suggests the exact opposite. Our lives improve and our happiness increases when we talk to those around us, even strangers. So let me read you this short article about the study because I think it's fascinating. Everyone wants a little more peace and quiet. Monday, the okay, it's not Monday. At some point in the recent history, um, the Metro began offering some form of quiet cars on all of their trains. So talking on cell phones and to fellow commuters was discouraged. Sounds great, doesn't it? Well, indeed, the Metro reports that 84% of people who responded to a survey were in favor of these cars. People wanted the quiet cars. In the research um, that they did, they found the same exact thing in an experiment that asked Chicagoans to predict how much they would enjoy different kinds of commutes. So in the experiment, people predicted that they would find a commute where they sat alone and enjoyed their solitude more pleasant than one where they were asked to strike up a conversation with a fellow passenger. Could these people be wrong? They think so. Psychologists have found consistently that connecting with others is the most important determinant of happiness. In experiments we conducted over the last several months, we found the same to be true while commuting. In one experiment, we asked metro commuters in one group to enjoy their solitude and refrain from speaking to other commuters. Others were asked to talk to another passenger. A final group received no instructions. At the end of their ride, these commuters filled out a survey about themselves in the commute. The results? Commuters asked to the commuters who were asked to interact with other passengers reported having the most pleasant commute. Commuters asked to enjoy their solitude reported the least pleasant commute. The pleasure of conversation was not just restricted to friendly people. We found this friendly people. That's funny. We found the same results among introverts and extroverts. All three groups rated their commutes as equally productive. We found the same results in a second experiment with commuters using a train or bus in downtown Chicago. If connecting with others is more pleasant than sitting alone, why the strong preference for quiet cars, silent cabs, and empty rows on airplanes? People have a strong belief about what will make them happy. Sometimes those beliefs are systematically wrong. For instance, variety, oh, I don't want to read this part. Moving on. Happiness, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have copy and pasted all of the article because I knew I didn't want to read these parts. Okay, people enjoy connecting with others. So as the Metro gives people more opportunity for the isolation they apparently want, we encourage you to run our experiment for yourself. Ask just one person as you commute or, you know, we mostly drive alone, wherever you are. Um, 
just ask someone what they do for a living, what they're most excited about, or what they think of the Cubs. Or Ohio State, yes, thank you. The result might be a pleasant surprise. Life is all about connection. Our brain tells us that we don't want to interact with others. We need our time. We need our space. But honestly, if we want to live, we're here for connection with God and with others. Sometimes our minds or our circumstances lie to us and tell us that we don't need God or others, that there's no time or I'm not worth it. Others don't want me around. Whatever the lies are that you're believing, in order for the connection to be reestablished, you have to override them. That's what all this podcast is about. We have to override the lies that our mind is telling us with what we know to be true. We see the example of God coming to earth, that proximity matters. We can study the science if you are interested in that. Study the research. When we've lost connection, proximity matters. Lost connection can be so discouraging and can drag us into a loneliness spiral. It can isolate us from those we actually need. So in this series, this month, we're going to be talking about both the ways that we lose connection and how we can access deeper connection with God and with others. So I encourage you, be brave this month. The first step might be the hardest. The first step is to acknowledge the connection is lost and believe that it can be reestablished. You can connect with God again. You can connect with others again. You can connect with yourself again. We're all going to have to learn new ways to do that because, well, the old ways don't work anymore. But the good news is that there's so much research and experience and people who can help. So breathe and trust, even if you don't believe it yet, that you're worth it. That's what I've learned over the last six months. That even when we don't believe that God is working, even when we don't believe that we're worth it, even when we don't believe that people want us around, that those are all just lies. So, in order to believe it, in order to experience it, we have to first override everything else and trust. I asked um, Ryan, I don't know where he is. Oh, there he is. Okay. So, I was, um, you know, I, the last six months have been really hard, and um, one Sunday I came, and like back in, I don't know, October, like maybe, no, earlier, when we were doing the headline series, and I was preaching on, at West Park, I was preaching on um, Jesus leaving the 99 to go find the one and um, all of that, and um, I came here before, because it was when we had the 9 o'clock service, and that was one of the, the song that was in worship that week was Reckless Love. One of the things that I've been talking about in spiritual direction, now I'm like overshare, over, oversharing. Um, one of the things I've been talking about in spiritual direction and in counseling is that I actually don't feel God's love in my life. And so I've been like pushing people away and like not loving others and not accepting love because I just don't feel God's love in my own life. And I, for the first time in a while on YouTube, because I've now also so many new things. Also watching YouTube. Um, uh, Bethel, whatever, I don't know, worship music was on. And this song came on, Reckless Love. And for honestly the first time in a really long time, 
this morning, I felt God's love. And I think part of it was I was, you know, thinking about this, this testimony, honestly, of the last six months and just the ways that God is, has been moving in my life and the lives of the people around me. And I knew I was coming here, to be honest. It's been really hard not being here um, with all of you. So I was trying to play this song. It's not our closing song. And there are no lyrics on the screen. I just realized that. But that's okay. It's still a really good song. So I just encourage you to sit and just just receive this and um, know God's love for you. For I spoke a word you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. And oh, the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of God oh it chases me down fights till I'm found leaves the 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it still you give yourself away oh the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of God, yeah. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good. I felt no worth you paid it all for me you have been so so kind to me and oh the overwhelming never ending reckless love God oh it chases me down fights till I'm found leaves the 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it still you give yourself away oh 